He's Howard Eibach, a former copywriter and creative director and the author of two books on the creative brief. And he's Henry Gomez, an ad agency strategist with 27 years of experience. Together, we're the Brief Brothers. We love talking about creative briefs, briefing, and advertising. Henry, we're back for another episode. And today, you shared a deck that you wrote kind of in frustration and anger, and you called it a post-mortem for a presentation you had done in a past life for an agency we don't need to mention and for a, a prospective uh, project that we don't need to get into detail. What is fascinating to me and what you're going to share with us in a moment is the fact that you did this. Because as we were talking about before we hit record, the question was, how many agencies examine, do a postmortem on anything that they do, much less a presentation? This was a pitch. And as you pointed out in the, in the, in the talk, this wasn't a new business pitch. This was a pitch for a project between two agencies that were already on the roster for the particular client in question. So it wasn't like it was like a brand new relationship. It was, not, it was not an RFP or at least not a traditional RFP. But the fact that you went back because you were frustrated, you didn't get the project and you had access to what the other agency had presented or at least the details behind it gives us an opportunity to shine a bright light on, you know, behind the curtain stuff, inside baseball stuff, which is fascinating. And, and again, I asked the question, how many agencies do this? Because, you know, when I do training on how to write a brief, and we look at an example of a creative brief in a small group, three, four, five people, and they're looking at this brief, before I have them break down and I mean, dissect what their questions and their comments are, I stop and I say, guys, when was the last time you actually had a discussion about a creative brief. And they look at me, it's like, we never do this. We, we never have this kind of conversation. And it's so refreshing to have, because it's not our brief. Nobody in this group wrote it. We can be free. We don't have to worry about anything, hurting anybody's feelings, saying the wrong thing, but they had a conversation. So while you set up this little uh, presentation that you didn't give, it's like the angry email that you want to send and you never hit send, right? But that's to me what makes it fascinating. Before, before we get into the details, let me just ask you, because I think our, our audience is going to be fascinated by this dissection and this venting. Do you think this is done in our industry? Should it be done more? What, what's, what's your take on that? Just a high level. So I, I believe that at some, I've seen postmortems for presentations and for pitches before. Um, generally, they're not as unfiltered as what we're about to share. Um, this one, as you mentioned, was unfiltered because I never really actually did anything with it. This was me being extremely frustrated. And as you mentioned, this isn't from my current agency. It's from one of the five agencies that I worked at in the past. Okay. And, um, and it, I was toward the end of my tenure and I was really starting to get frustrated by the fact that, um, you know, this kind of stuff, the stuff that I'm going to detail in this presentation um, really has a wear and tear effect on everybody involved. You know, you're, yeah. you're working late hours, you're, you're, you're doing everything to try to win this thing. And there's a lot of decisions being made that you don't necessarily agree with, but it's not your role and how do you, you know, handle the personality types involved? So after we lost this thing, I got frustrated. I sat down at the keyboard and I started 
putting it together. And, you know, you could tell I spent some time because I really analyzed you know, everything. And, and you're going to see that now when we show the video of it. Um, all the all of the stuff that I did to quantify um, how I thought we had made mistakes in this in this process. And like you said, this was a jump ball between two roster agencies for a big assignment. Um, and the leadership at the agency was always paranoid about the other agency encroaching in our space because we were the traditional agency and the other agency was the digital agency. And so the paranoia led to decisions being made that ultimately rendered his paranoia to be true because they got the, the business and it, it was largely a traditional piece of communication that should have been ours to begin with. So um, with that said, I think I'm just going to drop in the video of me presting this yeah, you know, 10, 12 slide PowerPoint presentation. And hopefully, you know, and it, I found this while I was looking through files for something else. And I thought, oh, this might be an interesting topic, but it brought all of the memories back and the frustration <laughs> back. And, and I just can tell you, I'm so much happier nowadays uh, that, that I don't have to contend with things like this. But we'll talk a little bit more on on the back yeah. end. Yeah, let's let's watch what let's watch your your presentation. So here's the post mortem of that presentation, and uh, the first slide here is interesting because I basically uh, I wanted to convey the sheer mass of the presentation that we had just given. So then I compared our competitor's presentation to ours. And because this wasn't a pitch, this was uh, two agencies that were already working on this brand. Um, we were furnished access to what they presented. And their presentation wasn't great either in terms of being concise, but it was less than half the size of ours. I started saying, well, what do I observe from all of this? What, is, what does all of this really mean? And the first thing is I didn't consider the, the competitor's presentation to be flawless or even really above average, you know, an average presentation, maybe a little too long. Um, they presented more campaigns actually than, than my agency did. However, they focused on TV video, despite the fact that they were the digital agency. Um, and they only presented one digital idea per campaign, where we had multiple digital ideas per campaign. Um, more than half of their video ideas were presented as rips, and they didn't bog down their version of the presentation with versions. We had a lot of, oh, this is how we'll do it for brand, and this is how we'll do it for retention. And they didn't present any creative elements that weren't part of one of their campaign ideas. So then the question is, what did the client buy? And when you look at it, it was interesting because they didn't buy any of the first four. They bought the bonus idea. When you usually bring a bonus idea, it's, it's something above and beyond or that maybe will be hard to approve. So you bring it as a bonus idea. And that idea, they only they presented it in two slides. They had a one slide rationale and then they played a ripomatic. And the truth is, my judgment was it was a pretty generic anthem spot. It wasn't spectacular, but it was a solid spot. All right, Henry, what I thought was so fascinating about the two summary slides was the vast difference between what was presented. 
in spite of the fact that your competitive agency was not exactly concise. But there were so many elements to this. And you know, I'm always looking for parallels to, to our creative brief, which is really what we love to talk about. And the parallels are really clear. The, when, when you see a brief that goes into four or five, six pages, you know there's a problem. When you're trying to please everybody, there's a problem. When you can't get to a single focus, there's a problem. When you can't identify a single objective, there's a problem. And that's what stuck out for me. And I guess what's surprising for me, perhaps not for what was going on because they were lost in the details, was how could they not see the cloud, this opaque cloud of over-information, of overwhelming information that they were going to be dropping onto their client? How did they miss that? Yeah, the only way I can explain it is that was insecurity. Um, you know, over presenting, presenting quantity over quality is always a sign of insecurity. Um, You don't believe that you don't believe in your team, you don't believe in the ideas, you're throwing, as I mentioned, a, a lot of stuff on the wall, hoping that some of it sticks. And it really it it's it reveals a lack of confidence in the people that you've hired to do their jobs. Um, and that was, you know, really a fundamental takeaway and, and large, a large driver of what made myself and others who have gone through that agency unhappy. Um, it just is, it was, uh, you know, this insecurity, this need to um, uh, micromanage um, every aspect of this assignment, but this was daily life. Um, so, you know, that's, I think how, I, that's how it happens. It's just insecurity. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of shocking elements to this. I think when our viewers take a look at those slides to see what was part of this presentation, they're going to, they're going to nod and they say, Oh, we, I've been in a situation like that before, or they're going to say, Oh, that's, we would never allow that to happen places in between you were sharing with, with me. And I think in a previous episode, or maybe it was when we were talking before we hit the record button, a famous, uh, what a manner of presenting that David Ogilvy used to to do. Why don't you share that story with us again? That you that I, that's I, I read opposite. this. I read this in one of Ogilvy's books. I can't remember if it was uh, Confessions of an Advertising Man or Ogilvy on Advertising. Um, but I believe the quote was um, about presenting ideas. Was uh, when a client doesn't buy my idea, I tell them. It's okay if you don't like my best idea. Here's my second best idea. Because <laughs> the thing that shocked me, um, there are many things that shocked me about these two slides that you shared with your venting exercise, your postmortem, was the fact that your agency didn't make a recommendation at all, much less saying this is the idea we want to recommend. And and that was certainly a flaw of that particular agency. It has been a, a flaw of other agencies that I've been at. Mm. For whatever reason, the creative director doesn't feel comfortable presenting a recommendation. Here's two ideas, but this is the one that we want. Or here's three ideas. Here's the one that we that we recommend. Um, I can only speculate as to why that is. Um, I suspect it has to do with not hurting the feelings of the creatives. So if you choose one idea, that's one creative team that um, is going to uh, 
get the credit and it's sold. And you just kind of like you're putting the thumb on one idea instead of hat. But this isn't a this is a, a business pitch. And it's your job as the creative director to have a strong opinion of what's good and what's better. Um, and if the client goes the route that isn't your recommendation, that's fine. But at least you, you know, lived up to your conscience of presenting what you thought was the best thing that was going to work for the assignment. I mean, if you went to a lawyer or you went to a doctor for advice on, you know, something important in your life and neither professional gave you a recommendation of what to do, why on earth would you stay with that? doctor or that lawyer i mean it just yeah. doesn't make any sense Say, well we could do this in this scenario we could do this in this scenario we could do this in this scenario what i recommend to you to do is blank of those three. yeah yeah i mean this that's, is my best advice yeah that's why i'm hiring you yeah well let's yeah, take I, a I've, look. Never, I've never heard a lawyer say well i don't care if you take the stand or not in your own defense like no they're always like no don't take the stand in your own defense like <laughs> you can only hurt yourself um <laughs> right. take advantage of the fifth amendment uh you know you have to have a strong point of view on something. Exactly. And that's the same thing about a creative brief. So there's a parallel between how to make a great presentation of your ideas. And it springs from, I mean, if, you, if you've got a, a messed up brief, you know, that's going to lead to this kind of thing. You Not have to be choosy. You have to be choosy. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's four possible insights. You got to be choosy, which is the best. That you have a list of possible single-minded propositions. You, which is the best? Pick like one. you have to, it's, it's. It, it, and and I, there is a parallel between a creative presentation and brief in that it's an exercise in reductionism. Yes. You, you, the more you narrow it, the more sharp it should get and the, the easier to understand it becomes and the more likely you are to succeed. Let's go, let's go back to your presentation where you uh, identify some of the, the, the big problems that you thought were just glaring as a result of uh, this messed up, boggled presentation. Let's take a look. The biggest problem I saw was we don't kill ideas. Um, we were throwing a lot of stuff into the hopper. And the truth is uh, that killing ideas is the creative director's most important tool. Um, eliminating the wheat from the shaft. All right. I mean, I, I, I get your frustration. I feel your pain, brother. Uh, now that you've had some chance to, I mean, it's been a while since you've you've uh, uh, looked at this. You said it was in your files and you, you brought it out. And many I think, years I think ago, many, yeah, many. And I, I just think this is a great exercise that our viewers and I personally can benefit from. You know, we talk an awful lot about how to avoid mistakes like this in a brief. And now we're seeing it in a presentation, easily fixable things. Um, talk for a minute about, you know your 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 top line thoughts on this this problem one of the three problems that you identified yeah the the biggest one is the first one it's it's killing ideas although it that even the word is harsh right like eliminating yeah. ideas or setting ideas aside if you want to be diplomatic right um not proceeding with ideas that's the biggest tool that a creative has in their arsenal. Um, that is, um, uh, it, it's liberating because it liberates your, your workforce whose ideas weren't chosen to work on another assignment or to help you polish the ideas that remain that were alive in this assignment. Um, 
and it a lot and it gives you time and resources back that if you're proceeding down these parallel paths five six seven ideas you're you're being distracted from polishing the one that's likely to be the one that sells you sells and and wins you the assignment the so, creative director's job is to know when to say no you've got to be able to say no exactly and and you know this goes to conversations you know i was reading uh you know in cameron day's book you know he's talking about talking specifically to creatives and how they need to behave in the middle part of their careers and part of it is nobody's going to train you how to be a good creative director you got to kind of figure it out by yourself Uh, but you can learn by observing the good ones like what do they do and what don't they do and the bad ones don't kill ideas the good ones kill ideas they're not ruthless about it they just say here's I'm going to move forward with these three for these reasons. They give the losing teams a pep talk and say, um, you know, next time you're going to do it better or this this is what was wrong with the ideas from my standpoint. So that they, it's not just uh, an exercise in rejection, but it's an exercise in, oh, now I know what to look for next time I'm faced with this kind of situation. Or now I understand the creatives, creative director's criteria for what is a good idea and what is it better than I did before I got this idea rejected. Um, so I, I, I just think that, that it's an important part of that a creative needs to learn, uh, but they need to learn it from a good creative director. And if you don't have a, that good reference, you're, you're not going to learn that lesson. Yeah. I, I, again, I've said this a couple of times. It's a fascinating exploration and deep dive into what didn't work. And that can be, that is probably the best way to learn what not to do by by failing. You have to you have to fall down, um, and it's sad that it happened in a circumstance where it was a big project opportunity lost. But I, you know, I kudos to you for even though you didn't hit send, you didn't present it, you kept this, and it's it's an exercise in learning and exploring and looking at yourself in the mirror. Well, we said in an episode about Campbell Soup that it, Campbell Soup learned from Tropicana's failure. So maybe some viewers, yeah. listeners can le- learn from this failure um, and this frustration that I poured out into this PowerPoint will benefit somebody down the road. Absolutely. Good stuff, Henry. Good stuff, Howard. He's Henry Gomez. And he's Howard Ibach, And together we're the Brief Brothers. Till next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.